So last night, we talked about this battle between Neil Young and Spotify that ended with the streaming service dropping the Canadian rockers tunes from its playlists. Young had objected to Spotify hosting the Joe Rogan Experience, the most listened to podcast on the streaming service over what Young says, and a lot of scientists agree, that Rogan is dishing out misinformation about COVID-19 vaccines. Now, I've been following along on social media yesterday to see what was up, and there are enough Spotify users out there angry about the decision to drop Young that some have been trying to cancel their subscriptions, and they're finding that kind of tough to do, it turns out. We've also been asking you to text us your most frustrating cancellation experience, 877-399-9898, 877-399-9898. Let us know who you are and where you are. No subscription required to text us and let us know about your most frustrating cancellation experience. Trucker Kevin and Airdrie says, my most frustrating thing to get out of was Columbia House. Remember them? When they sent out with CDs, could not get out of their subscription. Thank goodness they went out of business, he says. Well, I think I got my first Columbia House was probably LPs. That's how old I am. Then cassettes. And honestly, I think I was still getting deliveries to my dad's place years after I left home. Um, so I understand you there. Tough to get in, easy to get into Columbia House, always tough to get out. Well, joining me now to talk Spotify, subscriptions, difficulties, and much more is tech analyst and journalist Carmi Levy. Carmi, thanks so much for being with us tonight. Great to be here with you tonight, Ben. Thanks for having me. Of course. So, I mean, you you know this stuff. What is it about Spotify? I'm not sure whether they've this is systemic or just now, but what makes it so difficult to cancel some of these subscriptions? Well, because they design it to be difficult. And, and, you know, we're talking about Spotify now, but really this is just the way the entire industry works. If you want to sign up for something, they will, they make it dead simple, easy for you to do it. Every single website has a sign up and a login button at the upper right hand side. It's, you know, pretty big. It's usually in a pretty bright color graphic or button or something like that. Super easy to find. We've almost been conditioned to know where they are. Uh, and so they want to get you into it. They want there to be no friction at all for you to sign up, start using it, get addicted. That's just the, the way the digital industry works. But, you know, we are addicted. We know this. We've seen the science. But, then, you know, the problem here is that because digital, there's no physical. You don't have to get out of your house. If you want to cancel something, you don't have to, you know, schlep downtown and, you know, go to a building and cancel it there. You can do it right from the comfort of your own home. So they introduced digital tools to make it harder for you to do so they don't put the buttons in a place where it's easy to find they bury them a few levels deep they put them in a menu somewhere they give them names and titles and menu headings that may not necessarily say delete your account so if you search for delete my account you don't get anything in in return so you know easy to get in hard to get out of and that's because the engineers want it that way because let's face it these are companies that are in business to make money they don't want to make it easy for you to run for the exits I mean, you're right. Some of them, it takes you a nanosecond to sign up and you literally have to call them to a number that no one ever answers. You have to call them to unsubscribe. I mean, I'm sure it's it's all on the up and up, but it seems terribly unfair, no? Oh, I, I, you know what? I, I, you're way too generous here. I wouldn't even call it on the up and up. I think it's dirty pool. And, and, and I think it's time the industry got called on it. If, if you make it three-step easy to get into something, it should be three-step easy to get out of it as well. Maybe put a couple of dialogue boxes in. Are you sure you want to? Because there's no going back at this point. You know, by all means, like, you know, you know force people to reflect a little, little bit. I'm perfectly fine with that. But when you deliberately hide them, 
from the end user. Basically, what you're doing is you're trapping them in your service. I remember a few years ago when Facebook was facing one of its many controversies, and of course, there was another movement there for people to ditch Facebook. Uh, and, and, and Facebook and Twitter and other services started flooding with messages. People were saying, I can't really delete my account because I don't know how to do it. And I, I realized then that we were onto something. And sure enough, Facebook kept, not only were they burying it, but every once in a while, and Facebook does this, but they all do, uh, they would change where they were in the menu structure. In other words, you would learn where it is, and then they would sort of shake it up a little bit so that you wouldn't know the next time you wanted to go delete the account. Or if you did a Google search for it and you found one sort of walkthrough of the process, well, that applies to the way it was six months ago, not today. So it's incredibly confusing. There's no sort of one way to do it. There's no industry standard. And that's by design. Because if you're an investor, you don't want the company to make it easy to lose revenue. You want the company to make it hard for consumers to leave. You want to make it hard for them to take their money and, 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 and leave. And that's, it's good for business, but of course, bad for consumers. I'm speaking with tech analyst and journalist Carmi Levy tonight about the difficulties to unsubscribe from things. A frustration of mine. It's like the seven levels of hell sometimes to get out of things. <laughs> the irony as a consumer is that when they make it easy for you to get out, I tend to go back to them if I want to get back in. Um, sometimes you just cancel something because you don't need it for a few months or you're going away or you're not going to be, you know, it's the middle of the summer. Maybe you're not going to be watching as much TV or listening to music the same way. Um so if they make it easy for me to get out, I always try, I always, to me, that's a big plus. The ones who make it impossible to get out, once you're out, you're like, that's it. I'm not going back. You know, I used to think this exactly the same thing. You know, if you're nice to me when I suspend the service, then maybe I'll want to come back to you afterward. And I think, you know, in the old, maybe pre-mobile, pre-social media, pre-digital uh, way of, of doing business, I think that certainly did apply. Customer service had a very different meaning back then. But I think now... Um, because there's so little friction associated with digitally connecting and disconnecting from businesses, I think the rules have changed. And that concept of customer loyalty has certainly shifted. Um, and I don't think they put as much weight on it. In other words, the companies don't care if they tick us off. Basically, they just want to slow us down enough so that we'll give up today and maybe we'll reflect a little bit. Maybe we'll think about it. And a few days later, it, maybe we won't, want, we won't want to delete the account at that point. So I think it's changed a little bit, but I think it'll ultimately come back to bite them. Because if you think about it, Spotify was the original big music streaming service. And a few years ago, like, you know, Apple was still waiting to see what it was going to do. There really wasn't any competition. And so that's why they are the 800-pound gorilla of the market. Well, now there's a lot of competition and everyone's gunning for, for the leader. And, and Apple certainly is breathing down their neck. They've been giving it away for free when you buy an Apple device, I mean, that's heavy competition. I think at some point that'll come back to bite companies like Spotify. In other words, as competition heats up, you got to get nicer because consumers will remember. And obviously Apple picked up Neil Young just to, just to hammer home that point you're making. They, 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 they have Neil Young and they've been advertising it. I've been getting ads all day about it uh, that they have. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I guess what's a bit what the kind of the insidious part about it, it's never huge sums of money. So it's always $10 here, $11 there. I mean, it, it, it is a lot of money if you're budgeting, but it's the kind of thing that you can ignore if it becomes too much of a pain to try to cancel, right? If like you think, okay, that's it. It's, it's $9. I'll, I'll, I'll eat it this month and I'll try again next month. Absolutely. And, and, you know, but you know, you're absolutely right. It doesn't seem like a lot of money up 
front, but it sure does add up quickly. You know, on a year on a yearly basis, that's fairly significant. Um, certainly, if you have a family plan, if you have one of the more premium Spotify plans, it can be that much more expensive. And um, and I think especially if you are you know like many subscribers, you subscribe to more than one, so it's part of your overall menu of choices. And then you, know, you put them all together, and you realize, wow, that's uh, that's close to a car payment in some cases. That can really add up uh, before you realize it. And so I think consumers are starting to get wise to the fact that these subscription services, they look really appealing and really cheap and really cost effective at the front end, but uh, they come with certain costs and certain inconveniences, and they aren't as cheap or as easy or as free as we thought they were. Um, and I think we're starting to, to sharpen our pencils a little bit and really starting to question, do I really need to spend that 10 or 15 or 20 bucks a month? Or, you know, if I really don't want to deal with this company, maybe I should be putting my money somewhere else. And I think we're going to start to see that, especially as the, the market matures. Most of us who want to have a streaming music service probably already have one. And so that growth is going to flatten out. Companies are going to have to change the way they deal with us if they want to keep us paying month after month. I think one of the most interesting things I saw about, there was obviously a lot talked about today about why Spotify would have would have gotten rid of Neil Young to keep Joe Rogan. And one of the most interesting things I saw was that, well, Spotify isn't a music company. It's a, it's a digital platform. Remember mm-hmm. that, right? It's content, not music. Um, exactly. Exactly. And, and, and exactly. And they, and they paid Joe Rogan. It's a hundred million dollar contract. He is the world's biggest podcaster. You do not upset that deal. That would be more damaging to Spotify's bottom line than losing Neil Young and the accountants and the entertainment leads and everyone else at Spotify know this. That's why they went with Rogan, not Young. We're chatting with tech analyst and journalist Carmi Levy. We were talking about Spotify and troubles unsubscribing from Spotify. People who are angry over the platform's decision to drop Neil Young uh, are finding it a little bit tough to uh, unplug these days from Spotify. We discussed that. Uh, Carmi, you mentioned Apple Music, and it's a nice segue because Apple is certainly singing a happy song all around these days. Huge quarterly profits. Huge oh, yeah. revenue. Oh, this. This is a this is a story. I almost feel like it's Groundhog Day because every time Apple has a quarterly earnings call uh, where they talk about their performance over the last three months, it's almost like the same thing. Record this, uh, you know, blow up that, exceeding analyst estimates, exceeding guidance, uh, and of course, this you know this most recent earnings call was the most important one. Their final quarter of every calendar year, it's the holiday quarter, and that's when they always record their biggest numbers. And uh, this was certainly one for the record books. Most revenue, 124 billion dollars in revenue, almost 35 billion dollars in profit. Um, you know, you know, 11 percent above what their original guidance was. So their their most optimistic projections, they blew right past those. In an economy where supply constraints and the global chip shortage are basically killing everyone. So the fact that they can continue to have a blowout quarter when everyone else is crying uh, is just beyond remarkable. And again, I don't want to sound like an Apple fanboy, but I've been saying this again and again and again, just for, you know, whatever cylinder you look at, this is a company whose engine just continues to hum. I was shocked by this number, Carmi. 1.8 billion devices on the Apple network now. 1.8 billion. Now, I know many people have three and four, but that is a huge number. It is. I mean, if, if, if you know, we assume and we know that that's not the case, that everyone has one. I'm looking around my home office. I have way too many Apple products. But, um, you know, that would be like, you know, one in one, one quarter of the entire Earth's population has at least something Apple in their home. And that is just, it's remarkable. And I think it, it illustrates that Apple has 
really transitioned. Remember a few years ago, they dropped computer from their corporate name um, because they didn't want to be seen as a computer company. And that really was the inflection point. That's when they stopped selling Macs, basically. And they started becoming a company where the technology contributed to your lifestyle. It really became a lifestyle company, a premium, near lux lifestyle company. And, and I think that's, it's, it's still driven by technology, but think about sort of how they sell technology. They don't talk about uh, the, how fast the processor runs inside. They don't talk about all the geeky stuff that's going on inside. Nobody cares about that. It's, does it work? Does it allow me to do the stuff that I want to do? And Apple, more than any technology company, has cracked that code, really brought technology to the masses in a way that no other company does across so many different product lines. And, you know, they're, they are where they are for that reason, because no one else seems to have that ability to converse with everyday people in exactly that same way. I remember just a few years ago, people were saying, well, you know, Apple hasn't really innovated at all in the last decade. You know, when's the last time they invented something new? And it doesn't seem to matter. It doesn't seem to matter. No, it doesn't. I remember, you know, here we're, we're just over 10 years out since uh, Steve Jobs passed away. And I remember at, you know, as he was uh, declining just before he passed away and then immediately, immediately afterward. I remember, you know, everyone was saying, well, Tim Cook, well, he's no Steve Jobs and he's certainly not going to be able to leapfrog the company to the next level that, you know, Steve Jobs did. And I said, look, you know what? First of all, he was, you know, right by Steve Jobs' side for a very long time. And, and, you know, he's the guy who executed on Steve Jobs' vision. So if anyone has that ability to do that and take it to the next level, it will be him. And so, sure, the, the world hasn't changed in many respects. A lot of the technologies that Apple has developed over the last 10 years are extensions of what we've seen before. Uh, but they're very shrewd extensions. Sure, it's evolution, not necessarily revolution. But it's the kind of evolution that the market really needs now. And, you know, for, for proof, look no further than how we're using these products in the middle of a pandemic. We've never needed connectivity better uh, or more than we, than we need it now. We've never needed our technology to really rise up to the challenge than we do now to connect us at a time when many of us are stuck at home. Um, and these products are absolutely crucial to that. And Apple really has been riding that wave. They've figured out sort of, you know, how to answer the questions that we have. I want to do X, Y, and Z. How do I do that? Well, go to your Apple store or hit, hit up the website, open up the app. You've got your answer a day later. It's at your door. Uh, no other company operates on that level. Certainly there are other successful technology companies, but not as comprehensive to the degree that Apple is. Well, it's a perfect segue. I've got a few more minutes here, and I really wanted to talk about an early pandemic darling that's fallen on some hard times, and that's Peloton. What's happened? Well, this makes me a little bit sad. So, you know, Peloton, you know, basically this was the, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, as gyms shut down, people were looking for ways to exercise. And Peloton is this sort of very high-end connected bike with content. You basically join an exercise class, a spin class in your house. What better? You know, and, and everyone I know who has a Peloton is absolutely like they are, you know, just like, the, you know, people are sort of cultishly attached to Apple. Peloton was that and more. Um, but the problem is, yeah, you can only sell so many luxury bikes to so many people. Uh, and I think they've, you know, they're, they're reaching their upper limit in many jurisdictions. Gyms are opening back up so people don't need to spend three plus thousand dollars plus 40 bucks a month for a device. And I think they overestimated their, their projections where people would keep buying them. They didn't. Now they've stopped manufacturing them to sort of, uh, you know, rejig their, their supply to demand. Um, and investors are rightfully knocking their share price down, down 80% uh, over the last year. And this is a company that seems to have lost its way because of it. 
Carby Levy, thank you so much for uh, for all your for your insight on many different subjects tonight. Uh, much appreciated. Have a great weekend. So great being here, Ben. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, Peloton. Interesting story. Of course. Uh, yeah, it, it's going to be. We'll see what happens. I mean, it was it was such a rush at the beginning of of uh, of the pandemic that seemed to be everywhere. People were talking about them, and then of course, as as Carmi was just mentioning, tough times now apparently lost their way a bit. So we'll see what happens in the future for that company. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.